W-P-H-A-T. You're listening to the number one health and wellness podcast, the place where health and consciousness connect perfectly, perfectly healthy, healthy and tone, tone radio, radio with your host, Darren McDuffie. And now prepare to get fat. What's up, peeps, and welcome back to another splendiferous episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your show host, Darren McDuffie, alias Fat Man, because I help you become perfectly healthy and toned. And this podcast is being brought to you by PerfectlyHealthyAndToned.com. You're probably wondering why I said splendiferous, but I've been having a lot of fun bringing you these episodes. I'm charged up getting a lot of good guests and learning a lot as I'm interviewing people. I'm also learning as you're learning out there. If you have not gone back to the last episode's podcast, I do highly recommend it. It was with Rachel O'Meara on her book, Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Taking a Break. And man, is that getting a lot of play. A lot of people are listening to this episode. So if you're someone out there who is wondering how to kind of reel your life back in, and get the things that you deserve, I highly recommend Rachel's episode. Today's episode is with Michelle Brown, and her book is called Energy Reset, Remove the Toxins, Reset Your Hormones, and Restore Your Energy. This is a good episode for you who are out there who want to know the basics of thyroid health. Michelle suffered her own bouts with thyroid health. She was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, and she battled her way back, and now she reaches out to other women to help them with their thyroid condition. So this podcast is all about reclaiming your thyroid, learning about what's in the environment, how to get toxins out of your environment, and live a productive, healthy life. So let's get into learning a little bit more about Michelle Brown. I always say that experience is the best teacher, and how do I know that? I've interviewed a lot of guests on the show, and it always seems as though those guests had their own health problem. They finally took their health into their hands, researched it, and they were able to come out on the other side. And Michelle Brown is no exception. If you listen to the intro, you know that she had problems with her thyroid, and she was able to overcome them, and now she helps others. So let's get into Michelle bio. Michelle is a certified transformational nutrition coach. She helps women rebalance their hormones and regain their energy so they can give irritability, depression, and exhaustion to boot and finally feel energetic, clear-minded, and ready to take on life. That's Michelle's bio. Now let's get into what you're going to learn on this show. Here's what you're going to learn on the upcoming episode with Michelle Brown and her book, Energy Reset. What are the three pillars of a healthy thyroid? How do infections stop the recovery from thyroid conditions? If you don't know anything about Epstein-Barr virus or H. pylori, you want to pay close attention as Michelle gives some good explanations and why you may want to see a specialist when dealing with these types of infections. Where's the best place to start working on thyroid health? For those of you who are not versed in adrenals, you might want to pay again close attention to this. Next thing is, what are the three levels of detoxification? I didn't know there were three levels of detoxification. Did you pay attention in this episode? What to look for in your cosmetic products. You're someone out there who's using cosmetic products. I know a lot of women out there use cosmetic products. No men use cosmetic products. 
You want to know what to look for and you want to also get some tips on changing your beauty routine and Michelle gives some tips on that as well. How do guilt, shame and anxiety cause health issues for women? I asked Michelle about this early in the podcast, but it isn't until late in the episode where we get into this and our thoughts and our feelings and it ends on what I would call a crescendo. So pay, pay attention. You're going to learn a lot in this episode. And without further ado, enjoy the show. What's cracking, peeps, and welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. Today, we are discussing energy reset with Michelle Brown. Michelle, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good. Read your book and awesome. really was excited to have you on and ask you some questions. And I think this this book, normally I try to not be biased, so to speak. But this book, mm -hmm. I think, is more dedicated to women. And I really wanted to have you on because I know there there's some things out there that women still may not know. And I know one of the things that they deal with is fatigue. And you talk a little bit about that mm -hmm. in your book, but you also talk about the underlying conditions that kind of correlate with fatigue. But what I normally do with every podcast is just ask people how they got into health. And I, even in the first mm -hmm. chapter of your book, I see that you have a very interesting story. So I wanted you to share that with the audience. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of us do kind of get into this from our own health journey. And that was definitely true for me. I was someone who dealt with a lot of fatigue, um, actually from my teens and I uh, was diagnosed with hypothyroidism in my early 20s, but still didn't really understand what was really like going on in my body, what was happening. Um, you know, I went to the doctor, they put me on Synthroid and didn't really feel any better after that for a lot of years, actually. Finally got the diagnosis of Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune thyroid issue, and found out that, you know, a lot of the things I was eating, a lot of the things I was doing were actually contributing to that um, health condition and all the fatigue and the hair loss and all the things I was dealing with. So from that, you know, I definitely got into this by my own health journey, my own struggle with my health and, and having to just kind of do my own research and find out what was kind of under the underlying cause of all of this fatigue and hormone imbalance and really changed my diet and a lot of other lifestyle things too. Um, and just really now have a passion to help other women who are struggling because yeah, I do focus a lot on women. Although I think, you know, men definitely are not exempt from this either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but thyroid issues do affect women uh, like seven times more frequently than men. So it does seem to be something that it does affect women a lot more. So yeah, I definitely have that passion for helping women who are struggling with thyroid issues, adrenal issues, um, to kind of get to the root of what's what's behind all that fatigue you said you were diagnosed with this in your 20s and then i'm going to i'm going to assume now that you are a mother mm -hmm. uh, and you can correct me if i'm wrong you have kids yes but what made you initially in your 20s say that you know something is wrong because i think what's occurring in our society now is that these conditions were thought to be conditions where people once they got older they were diagnosed with something like this but now it seems as though it's happening earlier and earlier so if there's someone out there who's young what made you say hey Hey, there's, there could be something wrong with my thyroid and I need to go in and get checked out. Mm, I think that's that's really true. I mean, it used to be that women didn't get diagnosed uh, with something like this until you know their 40s at least. And now, yeah, we are seeing women of all ages really struggling. And for myself, actually, um, you know, I 
mentioned I had some health problems in even high school. I mean, it was the 90s and everything was like low fat and <laughs> really high carbohydrate. And, you know, I jumped on that bandwagon pretty hard and which makes me cringe to think of it now as, you know, a mom with a teenager. You know, I was so deficient in those healthy fats and proteins and things that, you know, our bodies just need at that, that stage of life to grow. And so fatigue definitely was something I really struggled with even at that age. But my mom has hypothyroidism and my, her mom did. So I was definitely a genetic thing for me as well. And I knew that they had that. So in my 20s and college, I mean, I was struggling to just like stay a week between I would have to come home and like take a nap between classes because I was so tired and I just knew you know, this isn't normal, this isn't right. So I, you know, just had to really fight on my own battle here. And just I went to the doctor on my own, told them I'm really tired all the time. I, I had to ask them to check it for me, essentially. And they did, of course, it was low. So that was really no surprise, knowing there was that genetic issue for me. But at this point, there, it's thyroid issues are really skyrocketing in prevalence today. So I think a lot of women, you know, we, I, I kind of refer to the thyroid as the canary in the coal mine because it's just that kind of weak link, if you will, in the body that it's a, a good place for things to start breaking down. And one of the first signals we can see that something's not right with our hormones. Mm -hmm. So you're in your 20s and obviously you went to get some kind of help. Were you in I'm going to use the word remission. Were you in remission? And then as you became a mother, did it flare back up or how did that happen? I think that's, um, that's a little bit true. Um, you know, I started on Synthroid and I, I did feel a little bit better, but I didn't really see a huge turnaround at any point. Um, I even remember asking my doctor several years after I'd started taking Synthroid, which is synthetic thyroid hormone, of course, you know, why, why I'm still really tired. My hair is still really thin. My skin's really dry. Why am I taking this medication essentially and nothing, you know, I'm still struggling with these things. And at that time she kind of looked at me and she said, well, I think, you know, even not with the medication, it's just never really quite the same. I just really remember that moment because it felt like, like she was just saying like, sorry, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> you just have to deal with this. And I guess I did accept that for a while, even though I think in the back of my mind, I knew there had to be a better answer than that. But yeah, when I had my kids, that's when I really uh, saw a lot of things start to flare up, which is really common again with thyroid disease. You know, when women have their children, it's a really kind of hard time with their hormones, a lot of upheaval there with the hormones. So I did see a lot of things start to kind of flare up, these really odd sort of symptoms from things like joint pain and mouth sores. And just, again, the fatigue was overwhelming. Just strange little things that I didn't put together actually with the thyroid disease until later on when I just started to really take that matters into my own hands and do my own research and find out what was going on. You mentioned in the book that you had, you were just struggling, I think at one point to even fold up clothes or, or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. When did you turn things around? Because I I've interviewed people and I've had conversations with women in which there was extreme amount of guilt and shame because they didn't have the energy just to do normal activities. Was that like an, an impetus for you to maybe turn things around and say, hey, you know what? I really want to be able to 
make my kids dinner or fold their clothes or whatever to kind of say, you know what, I need to move forward with this. I know something isn't quite right. I shouldn't accept it. And I'm going to look for something to really combat this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I like what you said about the guilt as a mom. I think moms just have a lot of that anyways. But yeah, when you feel like you're not measuring up to what you should be as a mom, you know, that can be really hard to deal with. There is a lot of guilt. And, you know, I didn't want my kids to grow up thinking that this was normal, that, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. mom's just tired all the time and she (laughs) can't do stuff with us because this disease, it's not what I wanted for myself or my kids. So that was definitely a huge motivation for me to start uh, making some lifestyle changes. I've interviewed a couple people on the podcast and we've talked about thyroid issues. When you went to get diagnosed, were you at any point, quote unquote, said that you were normal, your thyroid was normal in the normal range? And if if and if that does happen, should that be a red flag for many women to say, hey, I need to delve into this a little bit deeper if they're going to a um, conventional doctor? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, definitely the first time, you know, I went complaining about thyroid or just fatigue and they diagnosed me with that, you know, they started me on the hormone. And uh, for a long time, I was on a dose and again, you know, told that they check it every six months, a year or whatever, and told it was normal. And yet I was still (laughs) exhausted and still dealing with all of these symptoms. So that's really common for women to be told that they have their thyroid hormone levels are normal and yet they're they're still struggling. And there's really one thing they need to realize is there's a difference between what is kind of quote unquote normal and what we what should be considered optimal thyroid function. So even though a doctor might tell you it's normal, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's optimal for for your energy and things like that. So working with a practitioner who really understands understands that concept I think is really important. A lot of women don't get the answers they're looking for because they're working with a practitioner who doesn't understand, doesn't understand thyroid disease and doesn't understand how to interpret the labs. So you mentioned in the book that almost all thyroid conditions, and I think you yourself was, was diagnosed, if I'm not mistaken, with Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that nearly all thyroid conditions that women may be experiencing at this time are autoimmune in nature. And I wanted you to kind of explain a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, so what we're finding is most of the thyroid conditions are autoimmune. Now, sometimes it can be caused by things by like lack of iodine. That's not really an issue today in our society. Most people are getting plenty of iodine. What's really going on is the thyroid is underproducing, or in, in the case of Graves' disease, for instance, it's overproducing thyroid hormone because the thyroid is being attacked by the immune system. So there's something going on there where what we need to look at is is the immune system and what's happening there and why uh, it's attacking our own body, why it's attacking the thyroid tissue, which is most often the case when someone's dealing with thyroid issues. So it's important if they do find that they do have low thyroid or they go to get their thyroid hormone levels checked to also check thyroid antibodies and see if there's an issue there that will give them a clue to what's happening with the immune system and if it's attacking the thyroid. Now, going back to the thyroid, the thyroid has receptors, although, and this is something I found out through studying mm-hmm. and interviewing people, <laughs> but the thyroid has, not just the thyroid, but the body has receptors all over for thyroid hormones. Is this the reason for that cascade when the thyroid is all out of whack, how everything can seemingly go out of whack as well? Definitely, yeah. There's a thyroid hormone receptor in every cell of the body. And we really think of the thyroid as like the thermostat of the body, right? It, it controls metabolism and, and thus energy levels. So 
yeah, if the thyroid isn't functioning right, it's going to affect cellular health on every level. What are some things that are going to make the thyroid more healthy? You mentioned that you were on a diet in your 20s. Everybody eats bad mm-hmm. when they're in their 20s. So, <laughs> and <laughs> most of us, true. yeah, I think everybody eats bad when they're in their 20s. You can get you know? away with it. Most yeah, part. <laughs> yeah, you can get away with it and it doesn't affect you most part. But what are some things that you, and I'm going to assume that you work with women to help them as well. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing some things? that women might be deficient in when it comes to their thyroid. You mentioned iodine earlier, and I Mm -hmm. think that's a big one. But what else? So uh, as far as deficiencies, um, yeah, there are several nutrient deficiencies that can lead to thyroid issues. Another big one is the mineral selenium. So selenium is one of those minerals that actually plays a role in the actual thyroid hormones. So if you're deficient in selenium, you're going to be deficient in those hormones that we need to keep our energy levels going. So selenium is a big one. A lot of times people start taking some selenium supplementally and they will notice an improvement in their health because it can be really difficult to get selenium from the diet. A lot of times our soils are just really depleted from selenium. It can be just really tough to get it from our food these days. So if you are struggling with thyroid disease, that might be one to consider taking. Um, But there are a lot of other ones as well. Zinc plays a role in thyroid hormones, even iron and things like that. So nutrient deficiencies is definitely one of the biggest reasons for thyroid disease. So if I'm out here and I'm listening to you, Michelle, I'm going to go to probably Walmart and get all of these things like selenium and zinc and whatever else you mentioned on this podcast, which you would you recommend something like that? Like someone just going out buying their own supplements, maybe say, hey, I'm going to self-diagnose myself and I'm just going to throw all these supplements on the fire and see what happens. Or would you, you mm-hmm. recommend maybe doing some testing first and then seeing what they might be deficient in? Uh, yeah, I think testing is always a good idea. Um, you know, we, we'd have a sort of really careful balance of a lot of, especially the minerals and things like that in the body. We don't want to overdo, overdo them as well as be deficient in them. So there's definitely get tested for mineral deficiencies and see if those are an issue. Some of them I think are a little bit safer to experiment with than others. For the most part, selenium, I think uh, most people can tolerate a small amount of selenium, but a lot of times people, again, they get into or they're trying to mega dose on things, minerals and vitamins, and that can be just as dangerous as well. So yeah, if you're working with a practitioner or you get uh, tested for these deficiencies, that would always be, you know, definitely the preferred way to do it. When someone has a thyroid issue, is it safe to say that they are also having an adrenal issue or do those things go hand in hand or one can happen without the other or one happens first and then the other, the other one comes? Yeah, that's kind of the million dollar question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, definitely uh, we almost always see adrenal issues when we're dealing with thyroid problems. They really, really play into each other. Thyroid or adrenal issues can lead to thyroid problems. Uh, you know, when our thyroid or sorry, our adrenals are depleted from stress and other causes can definitely exacerbate the thyroid issues as well. So it's always kind of good as well to look at the adrenals and do things to support adrenal health because it it is, again, you're right, it's almost always going to be a a piece of that puzzle. It's just safe to say, and I don't want to to sound biased or or say anything about women, but if you encounter a client or someone that you're working with and they're overweight, is it safe Mm -hmm. to say that just from maybe looking at that client, you could say, hey, this, this person has a thyroid issue or an adrenal issue or both? Is that a fair assumption? Um, you know, not necessarily uh, because, you know, there's a lot of different things that can contribute to weight gain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more so when you see someone who 
is overweight and yet they're doing the right things in their diet yet they're still struggling to lose weight that can often be a good clue that the thyroid and the adrenals are are out of whack there no it's not always necessarily the case when someone's trying to lose weight that they have a thyroid issue but it's definitely worth checking out if you know you're gaining weight and you can't seem to take it off uh, to just have it checked it's a really pretty simple test and again it's so common that it, it almost doesn't make sense not to have it tested yeah so that that's something you would recommend you would recommend them actually mm-hmm. going that route first if they have an a weight issue to say hey what's going on with my thyroid and then maybe oh, yeah, have an I yeah, definitely worth ruling it out because if that is an issue, you're, you're probably not going to get very far in your weight loss efforts if you, you know, your uh, thyroid hormones are off. Yeah. So let's get into just talking about toxins and, and toxic stuff. And okay. but but before I do that, I wanted to to ask you this because you spent some time in your book talking about this and you actually mentioned it just now and I got sidetracked here, but you talked about diet and you spend some time in your book talking about the perfect diet. And I want to ask you, is there a perfect diet and what should someone who's listening to this aspire to be if there's that perfect diet out there? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that's just like the question everybody tries to figure out, mm-hmm. right? What's the perfect diet? And, and in the book, you know, I talk about there, there is and there isn't. So there is in the sense that if you're eating a real whole foods based diet, that really is a perfect diet, right? Your veggies, your whole, um, whole foods from the earth. And yet at the same time, we're all extremely individuals and it, it really varies on how much protein one person needs versus another person or carbohydrates. So it's working, I guess there's like a perfect framework and then working within that and your own individual you know, needs and different genetic issues as well. So you were fooled, from reading the book, I know you were fooled into a healthy, what people would consider a healthy diet. You were eating mm-hmm. yogurt and granola. And I think sometimes people are still carrying those same things with them thinking that, oh, I'm going to eat this this yogurt, I'm going to eat this um, this granola bar, and those things are healthy for me. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that mindset? Was it just marking or things that you saw? Were you seeing other people like your mom eating those things and you mm-hmm. just picked it up? How did you pick up those habits? Oh, man, I think it, you're right. It was mainly marketing. You know, like uh, we were taught in school, like eat the grains where should be the basis of our diet. Eat 9 to 11 servings of a whole grain and fat was bad and all of these things. So I guess I would just say I kind of bought that hook, line, and sinker. And of course, those carbohydrates are so you know, tempting that having <laughs> permission to eat them anytime you want is like, hey, sure, why not? But most people, again, will find that that's really going to put them into a lot of problems. Yeah. And, and you know, the just I think we've had shoved down our throat for so long that low fat, you know, that low fat message. I still work with people who just like they really struggle, try to convince them that healthy fat is one of the most important pieces of the diet. Yeah. People don't like their beliefs challenge. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're actually working with someone, are you like stripping things out of their diet? How do you approach the diet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it is important to work with people. I just try to get them to eliminate a lot of the inflammatory foods that are irritating the immune system because we talked about how thyroid issue, that is really a, an immune issue. And what happens is a lot of foods that we're eating today, things like gluten and grains and sugar, you know, they really damage the gut lining. Right on the other side of the gut lining is our innate immune system. And so when we do that, we damage the gut and then 
all of these things can get through the gut lining that shouldn't be there, partially digested foods, toxins, pathogens, things like that. And this is what's just driving that constant immune response. So we can get rid of those inflammatory food, get those out. But then, of course, then we have to look at the other side of it and put in the really nutrient dense foods that we need to heal. That's, that is the key there. But yeah, it can be tough to get people to eliminate certain foods. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially some of the biggest, the biggest triggers for an immune issue are the ones that people really love, right? Their sugar and their grains and their gluten. Yeah. Do you do any food sensitivity testing with your clients? I don't. So, um, I mean, if they need it, I will refer them to someone who can do it for them. Um, but you know, it kind of depends on the situation. I like to kind of look at the clues and see, uh, what they're dealing with. A lot of times we can just kind of see from the diet or how they're reacting to certain foods. Um, and I, I like to see people do just kind of a basic elimination diet for a couple of reasons. For one thing, testing can get kind of expensive. So, you know, I don't want to put any undue expenses on people, but we can just kind of get back to like a basic elimination diet where we're eliminating grains and sugar and dairy and things like that. Give the gut time to heal. A lot of times um, that's really the best way to approach it, in my opinion. I worked in that field for a while as a, a, a rep for a food sensitivity testing company. And I did, okay. they were always, they always offered us a free test. And what I noticed as, you know, there were a number, I, I think the first time I tested, I had like 30 something foods that came up for sensitivity right. as me. Mm-hmm. And when I pulled those foods out, I felt a lot better, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much my immune system was suppressed because I was p- okay. constantly putting those, dumping those foods, you know, in my gut all the time. Mm-hmm. So my immune system was so suppressed at one point, but taking those out, I think it's amazing if people can, can do one if they have, right. a, but they can just take out common irritants like dairy and stuff like that and give the immune system a break. Definitely. And then they will, they'll, they'll be able to tell. But going back to talking about the gut and just inflammatory, and you missing, you, you mentioned inflammatory foods. Kind of talk a little bit more about those. You mentioned gluten and grains. Are there any more out there that people might be eating? that are inflammatory to them and they have no idea. Yes. So first of all, going back to gluten, it is one of the biggest triggers actually for thyroid disease. So it is absolutely worth trying to see if that is an issue for you. And I would just eliminate it and see, you know, how you feel. Give it at least six weeks. But a lot of people in studies, they found feel much better when they remove gluten from the diet, people with thyroid issues. So that would be like the top one I would recommend getting rid of. But grains in general can be really hard on the gut and cause a lot of problems for people. So just doing more of like a paleo style diet and going grain free can really help you feel better. And then sugar would probably be up there, right up there with gluten as well. Probably no surprise there, I hope. But yeah, uh, sugar is going to feed, you know, the wrong type of bacteria in the gut and can contribute to leaky gut as well. And then dairy, of course. And and dairy is kind of interesting as and gluten as well. They they found that they actually cross-react with the thyroid tissue. So they found that gluten Gluten sort of like resembles thyroid tissue. So when we're eating gluten and our body recognizes it as an immune irritant, it it launches this immune attack against the gluten molecule. And what happens then is because the gluten molecule resembles the thyroid tissue, this is where the thyroid gets or the immune system gets confused and starts attacking the thyroid issue or tissue as well. And dairy actually is really similar in that it can cross react with gluten in you know, in the immune system. So gluten, dairy, grains in general, sugar. And then the other big category would be 
the wrong types of fats and the inflammatory fats, which would mainly be things like the the seed oils like corn and canola, sunflower and soy oil. Um, these are really inflammatory fats that damage the gut lining that are really hard on the liver and gallbladder as well. So eliminating those and getting some really good healthy healing fats like olive oil and avocado, things like that are important to do to, to heal the immune system as well. There seems to be like this perfect storm and we talk about autoimmunity. You yourself suffered from an autoimmune disease condition, mm-hmm. but that perfect storm <clears throat> would be, you mentioned leaky gut. Is that always a condition when it comes to any autoimmune autoimmunity condition out there? Yes. So they have actually found that in autoimmunity, there's always, always leaky gut is a part of that issue. So addressing the gut health is going to be one of the first things you're going to want to do. As long as that gut lining is damaged and leaky, you're going to be constantly leaking again, you know, toxins and partially digested food and pathogens um, until you can kind of like shut that faucet off. You're going to be constantly irritating the immune system. And, 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 you know, just firing, constantly firing the immune system. So you really want to work on, you know, dampening that down. And it all starts, you're right, it all starts with gut health. What can you do to to start getting your gut into into a healing mode? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I always recommend starting with the diet. You are constantly eating inflammatory foods. You're just, con- again, constantly feeding this vicious cycle. Um, so again, just eliminate those inflammatory foods and start adding in more nutrient-dense food. That's definitely step number one. But then you can also do a lot of other good things for the gut. There are some different supplements that can help with gut health. L-glutamine is an amino acid that they found is actually like food for the cells of the gut lining. So this is a great one to add in. You're, you know, you have leaky gut. You Going back to this food sensitivity testing you were talking about, you know, I, I always tell people if you do a food sensitivity test and you come back with 20, 30 different foods you're reacting to, uh, really what we know is you have leaky gut, right? right yes. um, because yeah, um, the reason you're reacting to all of these foods is because the gut lining is leaking these partially digested food particles from these foods into the gut lining. We need to, that's what we need to work on, right? So eliminating those particular foods is important, but really what we're doing is trying to heal the gut lining. So you no longer then you can get to the point again where you're not reacting to those foods. You can eventually add some of them back in. Maybe not all of them, especially things like gluten and a lot of times grains, because again, they are actually contributing to the leaky gut situation. But you're reacting to things like avocados and salmon and just kind of a lot of different things like that. They're probably things you're eating a lot of, right? (laughs) Because that's why you're reacting to them. You're just constantly getting those into your system and, and eventually you start to have this immune response to them. Yeah, I've seen a lot of tests where people come up with just all kinds of sensitivities to things. But I think what scares people when you mentioned this is that they think they, oh, I'm never going to be able to eat these foods That's, again. But yes. the, the thing is, is that you need to repair your gut and then you introduce the foods back exactly. in. Exactly. And, and it'll be okay. Definitely. Be okay. In your book, you, I came across something I've never really heard before. And I think it was the three levels of detoxification. And I think mm, okay. detoxification gets a bad rap because for a lot of people with detoxification, it's like, oh, I'm just going to do a couple of green smoothies a couple of days and that's going yes. to detox my body. <laughs> but talk about those three levels. And I think in that second level, if I'm not mistaken, because I didn't write it down, but, (laughs) 
But I think in somewhere you mentioned methylation, and that's something that I was actually interested into, and you gave a kind of a, a brief overview of what methylation, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you were versed in talking a little bit about methylation issues and why some people mm-hmm. might have that. But go through that first, and then we'll we'll tackle the methylation question. Okay, yeah. So detoxification, it's a little bit of a, um, you know, I guess complicated biochemical process, unless you're like a biochemist and you really get all of that science. Pretty fascinating. But yeah, we have three different steps or phases of detoxification that the body goes through. So in the first phase of detoxification, that's when the liver produces a lot of enzymes um, where it's going to start trying to neutralize a lot of those harmful toxins. And, you know, that takes a lot of antioxidants there. Uh, so we want to make sure, again, we're getting a lot of a lot of nutrients. I love to talk about nutrient deficiencies because they're so common in our society. We think we're such a well-fed, you know, society. And yet, I mean, we are, but yet we're so undernourished. And we need these nutrients to do all kinds of different functions in the body. But of course, detoxification is one of those that's really important. So if we're not getting enough things like B vitamins, amino acids, antioxidants, uh, we're not going to be able to detox very well or very efficiently. So in phase two, it's called the enzymatic conjugation phase. And this is where it's like the, the liver is kind of prepping up toxins so we can get them out of the body. And that methylation pathway, it gets a lot of attention right now. If you've ever heard of the MTHFR um, yes. genetic mutation, it's really kind of a popular thing for people, um, you know, in our kind of circles and functional medical medicine circles to talk about. And so that's just a genetic mutation. People aren't doing, aren't methylating. So methylation is this process where we're going to add a methyl group to those toxins to remove them from from the, the liver or from the body. And so if you're not doing that properly, it's going to be really hard to package those toxins up and get them out of the body. And in order to do that, it takes a lot of B12, folate, fiber, again, amino acids to help get them get them packaged up so we can eliminate them from the body which is the phase three of detoxification or the transport phase um, where they're eliminated. Do you find that you're working with women? Do you find that women have more of a toxic liver or more of a a starting out with a liver that's kind of overworking itself trying? And I want to get into these toxic products as well, because I think that's big. But again, do you find that women who are starting baseline that you're working with have more of an issue with a toxic liver because of the products and the different things that they're using. Absolutely. I think that's a really, really important place to start because, I mean, most people in our society, their livers are just overworked. They're inundated with toxins from the environment. Again, they're deficient in the nutrients we need to detoxify. So one of the best places to start working on thyroid health is to work on the liver. I often tell people I call detoxification digestion and immunity kind of the three pillars of a healthy a healthy thyroid so if we can work on detoxification and again digestion or or the gut and then you know that all wraps up into the immune system we can you know if we take care of all of that we can start to see a lot of progress with the thyroid health so yeah we really want to start with with detox so what are some of the things that are in these these products because we were talking, I mentioned the products, the toxic products, and you know that you're a woman, so you know women use more cosmetics probably than men, but I don't know. I think men are catching up now. We're getting kind of like women <laughs> with, with the things that we're using, but mm-hmm. it seems that women with the lotions, with the makeup yes. and all of these other things, what is in those things? And because they're putting this stuff on the skin, the skin is mm-hmm. the largest organ in the body. People don't realize that that might be harming women and maybe making those hormones go a little bit haywire. 
Oh my goodness. So when I was researching this for my book, I was just blown away and I'm just, I'm going to get on my soapbox because it makes me so mad that so many of the chemicals that they're putting in in conventional skincare and and makeup products are so toxic to women. I mean, they're full of things like parabens that have carcinogens. They can disrupt hormones. They can cause reproductive issues. And I mean, women are dealing with this stuff on an unprecedented level. And I think a lot of times they just think, I I don't know, like everybody's doing it or, you know, a lot of these toxins, like you can't see them. So it just doesn't really register that there's something to really worry about. And we also don't put them on our skin and immediately have a reaction. Most times, you know, this is something that's going on inside the body where we can't see what's really happening in the liver and at the cellular level and years and years go by and suddenly women have breast cancer or other other health issues or they can't get pregnant or whatever or they have thyroid issues. So there's a whole slew of toxins. Like I mentioned, parabens. I don't know if you want me to talk about a couple other ones um, that are often found. Okay. Yeah. Um, So another one is uh, phthalates. Phthalates are, this just blew me away when I was researching this because they're really common in things like perfumes, moisturizers, and makeup. And they are are they're everywhere. They're actually even things like shower curtain liners and plastics and things like that. And I, I found out when I was doing the research that in 2003, the Centers for Disease Control recommended that phthalates be studied to assess their safety. And really what they found was they were linked to asthma, autism, breast cancer, <laughs> reproductive issues. And that's just a few of the things they found that phthalates were responsible for. So in 2008, they passed the Consumer Product Safety Improvement Act, and which was meant to ban phthalates. And unfortunately, they didn't ban all phthalates. They just decided to ban a few classes and to keep them out of children's products. So unfortunately, even though we know they're extremely toxic, we can still find them in a lot of products. So that's one thing you definitely want to look for and keep out of keep out of your beauty uh, arsenal there. Another one that I was sort of blown away with was a lot of times we see fragrance on the label. Of products, I mean, everything from, you know, moisturizers and lotions to, well, you know, like fragrances that we wear, like perfumes. Um, and this was really interesting to me. It's actually probably look at that and think fragrance. That doesn't sound too, too toxic, <laughs> but it's actually like a trade secret. So they don't have to put on the label what those chemicals are in that fragrance. So it can be any number of 35,000 different chemicals that can be combined to create a fragrant, including things like parabens and phthalates and a whole other slew of chemicals that are toxic. 35,000? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So most of these chemicals have been found in neurotoxins, again, carcinogens, endocrine disruptors, allergenic. So a lot of times even people will spray a fragrance on and they have this allergic reaction. They break out in a rash or start wheezing or things like that. Unfortunately, they may never know what that particular chemical was that they reacted to because it doesn't have to be on the label. It can just be labeled as a fragrance. I find that when I started getting into this and wanting to change product, even just things as simple as deodorant, Mm -hmm. I challenged myself because I had been using, you know, we grow up using a certain brand of deodorant. Maybe our father used it or maybe our mothers use it, even with toothpaste. When I decided to switch toothpaste, I was always this Crest guy because that's what my mom (laughs) always bought. And I found it hard to to break away from that. Mm -hmm. But how did you begin changing your, your beauty routine? Because I know the first thing that jumped out at me was these products cost a lot more, the organic products, but that were better for me. They cost a lot more. And 
Yes. For And I know for women, they have a certain brand of mascara or lipstick or something mm-hmm. they like. So how did you begin kind of migrating away for the, from those products that were unsafe for you? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question because I think you're right. We do get really attached to certain products. And I guess, though, I, I sort of like when I was researching this book and finding out what's really in these products, it was sort of like like peeling back the curtain and seeing what these companies were really doing to us, you know, on, they had put on their commercials on TV with these beautiful, smiling, healthy looking women. And, you know, it's sort of, they know what they're doing, right? They're trying to evoke this certain feeling in you, um, trying to appeal to your emotions. Um, and so to me, I just, I guess it sort of made me mad. I realized these companies, they didn't care about my health. They weren't, they were just trying to make the buck, right? <laughs> um, so to me, it was just a matter of I didn't want to support a company that wasn't on my side. Um, and so kind of seeing them for what they really are, I think is important because, again, I, I say I think I get on my soapbox because it just makes me angry to think about how women, they're being, um, you know, these companies are really just playing on their emotions and convincing them that these products are so great. You know, they can slap organic on the label or something like that. And it doesn't tell the whole story of all the other chemicals that might be in that particular product. So it's really frustrating. I think we have to really just start looking at not only how much we like that product, but what does that company stand for? Is that really a company we want to support? Or is there a company out there that has your best interest in mind, that gets it, that knows that, you know, we're not going to use these chemicals because of what they do to the body, how they interrupt the hormones. So falling, it's in, it's really exciting time too, because there's so many companies out there now that have really great products, stand behind their products that are transparent about the pro- uh, the chemicals and the, the ingredients they use in their products and why they're there. And you know they pledge not to put things in there that are going to harm our health. So that's really exciting. It is, yeah, definitely kind of changing allegiance. But I think when you sort of, again, kind of pull back that curtain for women and show them that, hey, this cream that you use that you knew your mom used and your, your grandma used, it's really full of toxins and this is really what what's going on here what's really behind behind this company's motives so it's really just a change of thinking of how you how you view that yeah i think the biggest thing for me that i had to get over in order to be able to transition into better products was the fact that just because it was it was on a shelf doesn't make it safe because i always thought that hey it's safe because it's on the shelf mm-hmm. and they have to go through all this this testing but when you look on it, it it amazes me how many people don't even read they don't read the stuff that they, that you know when they go and pick up a product they're not even reading like what's in right. whatever they're going to be using they just pick it up and i think that's because True. we have been taught to believe that whatever's on the shelf is always going to be safe for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not true. A lot of the chemicals in products have never even been taste, uh, tested for safety. They're, they're just not. So if you think the DA or, you know, whoever is on your side, um, they're just, they're not looking out for us in that sense. You really have to do your own homework. And I think too, you know, a lot of women look at a label and they just see this long list of chemicals and they don't really know what it is anyways. I know I was there until I really started doing my research for this book and found out like, wow, <laughs> um, I, I pulled up, I think it was I can't remember. It was Oil of Olay Regenerist. Uh, I pulled it up online and just looked at what was in it. And it has, it has the parabens. It has the phthalates. It has the fragrance. And it, you know, it advertises itself as the number one cream moisturizer in America. I don't know if that's just their own little hype there or not, but I, at any rate, I'm sure it's a very popular product that a lot of women are putting on their skin every single day. And 
you know, it's full of toxins, um, but they don't show you that picture, right? You go on there and they show you um, how, oh, it reduces wrinkles and kind of the hype behind it. Yeah. So you really have to learn and do your own homework. Um, and But, you know, I tell women the easiest thing is just to find a company that you can trust as that pledge not to put toxins in their product. Um, and then, you know, you don't have to necessarily have a chemistry degree to understand all these chemicals. You can just know if you're using something that's organic, especially I like things that are really all natural and things like that. You don't have to worry about what it's doing to your hormones. I had a friend who just called me about a week ago raving over some shaving stuff because he had had something going on with his face. And I was like, well, what's the brand? He's like, he told me a brand. I went online and I looked at the ingredients. I was like, nah, not for me. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but sad. he, yeah, he raved about it. And I didn't, I don't always tell people like, I know for me now, it's more of like letting people make their own decisions. And I know right, that anytime you, you try to push things on people, they, they back away from them. So I just like, Hey, well, yeah, you go ahead and continue using that, but it's not yeah. something for me. <laughs> But um, yeah, sometimes people have to come to their own conclusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's the best because anytime you try to push something on somebody, they get a little bit taken aback by it. it but, can definitely happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting into your journey, and you went through this journey, and you obviously was able to go through the thing with your thyroid, get kind of on the other side of it. But in your book, you mentioned that there was something still underlying, really keeping you from healing totally. And you talked about infections, which is something that a lot of books don't even talk about. So I want to kind of bring that to the forefront and ask you a little bit more about that, about these infections that can keep us from kind of healing all our issues and, and moving on. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big issue, especially for people who, you know, maybe they change their diet. And, you know, there's a lot of people who will take out the gluten and the sugar and start eating a whole foods based diet and, and they'll feel much better. And that's great. Um, but then there's a lot of people who they're, they're seemingly doing a lot of, you know, everything right and they still feel miserable. And a lot of times it's because there's these underlying infections, especially gut infections that they're kind of asymptomatic, but they are, they're kind of under the surface for years and they can cause a lot of problems, a lot of fatigue and just kind of keep keep that faucet turned on like that we were talking about thought that the autoimmunity so for myself I had H pylori which is a, a common gut infection for women with thyroid issues it's a it's a bacterial infection and it can burrow into the lining of the stomach wall and it suppresses stomach acid which is kind of a problem because we need that stomach acid to digest proteins and to utilize things like B12 and iron. So uh, I had no idea that this was going on. I just had to go to uh, a functional practitioner who, you know, looked at, did you did a stool test, looked at all these different, different types of infections. And that was definitely an issue for me. So a lot of times, if you're someone who has these issues and you just aren't feeling better, you aren't seeing a lot of progress, it's definitely worth getting um, tested to see if a gut infection is a problem there. There's a lot of other ones. Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is another one that a lot of people with thyroid and autoimmune issues are dealing with. Candida overgrowth, I think a lot of people are familiar with that one, especially if you're eating a lot of sugar. That can definitely cause a lot of fatigue. They actually, the candida is a type of yeast that can release its own type of toxin into the body. Things like the Epstein-Barr virus can be a problem for some people. Have to kind of look at that too, especially again, if you're somebody who is trying to make a lot of lifestyle and diet changes and you're still dealing with a lot of fatigue and other symptoms. What's your thought on that on the Epstein-Barr virus? Because I've heard so many different of opinions regarding just autoimmunity in general. Like I've heard mm -hmm. a lot about viruses being the underlying cause of, of autoimmunity versus, mm -hmm. you know, other factors. 
What's your what's yeah. your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think that we can say it's one hundred percent of the time it's in a, a virus, but it's definitely again worth looking into if you're somebody, especially who's not feeling better after changing your diet and things like that. It's just a virus; it can lay kind of it like lays dormant in body until it comes active. It's part of the herpes family of, of viruses, so you can be carrying it for years without showing symptoms. And so if you're dealing again with autoimmunity, even things like multiple multiple sclerosis, it's again worth checking out to see if that's an underlying issue because once we can pinpoint that, we can do some things to correct that and get you know your energy and all of those things back on track. Just really quickly going back over the products, because this is something I wanted to ask you. This was uh, kind of amazing to me that the water in most of the cosmetic products, as you cover in your mm-hmm. book, you said is just regular tap water. It's not purified water or anything like that. Yeah, I was. This was something you know as I was again researching the book and looking into all the different toxins. It was something I was actually surprised to learn as well that you'll often see water as the first ingredient in a lot products, especially things like lotions and moisturizers. And I actually spoke to Trina Felber, who is the owner of Primal Life Organics, another, or it's a company that makes a lot of really great beauty and healthcare products that are organic and toxin-free. And she really has looked into this because it's what she does, the owner of this company. And, you know, she mentioned that water was one of the biggest toxins actually in, in a lot of these products because, it, you know, this water or water is full of pollutants, especially if you have thyroid issues. You know, we have to look at the level of things like fluoride and other types of halogens that interfere with thyroid function. And when we put those things on our skin, like you mentioned earlier, they can actually be absorbed through the skin right into the bloodstream. So they're not even going through the the pathway that they do when we ingest things, you know, through the digestive tract. They're, you know, bypassing the liver, going straight to the tissues and causing a lot of problems for women. You mentioned stress in your book and a lot of women are under stress. They have, you have kids, a lot of women have kids, kids are running around acting like, (laughs) acting crazy and you have to kind of get behind them, but you also might be married. You have a husband. So there's a a revolving door with things that are going on. One of the things I liked about the book is you kind of mentioned what I would call some stress relievers. You talk about the idea of a detox bound. Talk about that and why. Why, what to use and why obviously it's going to be important to kind of relax your body a little bit, but what should you use yeah. for that detox bath? Oh yeah. Detox baths can be a really great way to get the toxins out and to, you know, decrease our stress levels at the same time. So to do a detox bath, you can actually add a lot of different fun things to them. Uh, you just want to draw, uh, draw a, a pretty warm bath and actually some people say the hot, you know, as hot as you can stand it to really help to draw those toxins out through the skin. A lot, And then a lot of people like to just use plain old Epsom salts in their bath because they're high in magnesium. So magnesium is a really one of those min- minerals that are really important important for detoxification as well. You know, you're just going to throw those Epsom salts in there a cup or two. You can add some essential oils, which is kind of fun to help with relaxation. And then, you know, just soak in that for at least 20 minutes. And that will help to draw the toxins out um, while you're absorbing things like magnesium and baking soda, something else you can add. Uh, that will help to, to draw toxins out during a bath. You can add raw apple cider vinegar, sea salt. People like to use like bentonite clay and things like that as well. So lots of fun things you can do to draw the toxins out through through detox bath. You also talk about dry brushing. 
talk about that a little bit too, because I don't think people, I've heard of it before, but I don't think Mm -hmm. a lot of people have heard of that and how to actually execute it. Yeah, this is another kind of fun way to get to move the toxins out. It's kind of a spa type of <laughs> thing to do. You buy a special brush for this. It's it's a brush made especially for dry brushing. I'm sure you can find them at even like Walmart and places like that or on, online at Amazon. It's a harsh, kind of a hard bristled brush. And you want to start at your feet and work. You always kind of stroke up towards the heart, feet, your legs, your arms, your torso. Um, once you get to your abdomen, you're kind of working in circular motions. And what that's doing, it's helping to encourage the flow of lymph through the body, um, which is really important piece of detoxification. So that lymph system is helping to capture toxins and pathogens and get them out of the body. So we really want to make sure that system's working good and, and uh, dry brushing can really help with that. You only want to do it about once or twice a week. No need to do it every day because you don't want to strip, you know, <laughs> strip the top layer yeah. of skin. But it can be a definitely a fun way to help help your body detox as well. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is something I love talking about. If anybody's followed the show for a number a number of years, but it's you talk about toxic thoughts, and I yeah. think this is one of the the huge things. I call it like the final frontier that no one is really actually talking about. You actually talk about it in your book and how you took control of your thoughts. But I found that that experiment, you mentioned an experiment where it says the DNA changed in mm-hmm. response to people's thoughts. That to me, that's yeah. very huge that our thoughts have so much of a influence on how we're doing. I've even seen studies where they say that you can actually make your immune system stronger by having more positive thoughts. But talk about that more a little bit. Absolutely. I think that I'm right there with you. I think this is so fascinating to think. A lot of people who are probably the type of person that listens to your podcast, Health Nuts, trying to do everything we can to be healthy, eat the best food we can, make sure we're getting some exercise, make sure we're getting enough sleep and all of those things. But a lot of times we don't think about how important our thoughts are. And you're right. So they did some different studies that they've done and they found that we control up to 90% of genes through the process, our, through our thought process. So that's really amazing to think about. I think you're right. And then this did, they had did a study that looked at HIV positive patients and found, they found that positive thoughts and emotions increased their resistance to disease 300,000 times more than those that lacked those positive feelings. So that's pretty amazing. I think we really, you're right, we kind of dismiss our thoughts as not that important, but this is, you're right, probably the final frontier where we need to start really thinking about how our thoughts are affecting our health. Talked about kind of at the beginning of the show how Guilt is a big thing with with women, with moms especially. Yes, yes. Um, and I actually talk about that in the book. You know, when those types of thoughts actually cause health health issues for women, things like guilt and shame and, and anxiety, even just things like slowing down, deep breathing, just taking time to consciously shift those thoughts to a positive outlook can have a huge repercussion uh, on your health. So. I think it's definitely something that everyone needs to have plan. Just like we have a plan for exercise or a plan for our diet, uh, we need to have a plan to get our thoughts going the right direction as well, whether that's spending time meditating every morning. Uh, for me, it's time, you know, I, I get up in the morning, have my time reading uh, you know, the Bible or maybe reading a good book. Like right now I'm reading Brendan Burchard's Health Habit, or not Health Habits, but his Habits book. So, you know, something like that, that's going to really help you shift your thought. Uh, thought pattern is really important. Yeah, that me time is also important too, not to be involved with so many people all the time. Just get along to yourself and have a little bit of that me time. I could ask you more and more questions, but 
I tend to ask those questions that I think are important, but I would also like for people to go and read your book because I thought it was a really good book. Book is called Energy Reset. I'm going to say it's going to be on Amazon. That's where I got it through Kindle, which I love to read on Kindle. Some people want a physical book. I can go either way, but (laughs) but Kindle (laughs) for me is easy to to be able to highlight stuff, especially when I'm interviewing. I have to interview someone. So it's uh, really good for me. But Michelle Brown. It's available in paperback as well, too. So great, great. Michelle, it's been an honor to interview you. Thank you so much for your time. And also, if people want to work with you, I know you have a website. What is your website? So uh, it's overcomingauto.com, uh, overcoming and then A-U-T-O for overcoming autoimmune. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on Perfectly Healthy and Tone. Again, it was an honor. All right. Well, thank you for having me.